Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to welcome you to this hour of worship. It is good to be together in God's house. We want to also welcome those who might be live streaming or listening on WRR radio this morning. We are glad that you've chosen, all of you have chosen, to make Preston Hollow a part of your Sunday morning worship experience. I want to invite those of you who are here in the sanctuary to please sign the friendship registry pads. You'll find those on the outside aisles of your pews. Uh, we love to know who is in worship with us, so this is a way to register your presence. It also gives you the opportunity to know who you're worshiping with. So please make a note of the names of those you're sitting around so that you can greet them by name following worship this morning. We desire to uh, live uh, in, within a strong community of friendship and fellowship, and this is one of the ways that we endeavor to do that. In your pew racks, you will find cards. On one side is a connect card, on the other is a prayer card. If you are newer to our community or have a desire to become more involved in the life of the church, you can complete this card, the connect card, to let us know of that. On the reverse is the prayer card. If you have a concern or a celebration in your life that you'd like to bring to the attention to the pastors or the deacons, uh, we do consider it a privilege to pray with you and for you in the coming week, and this is one way for you to communicate the joys and concerns of your life and allow your church community to join you in prayer. Those cards go in the offering plate later in the service, so please take advantage of that. If you are a visitor among us this morning following worship, if you will exit the north transept doors and to the right, in our atrium is a desk on the right side of the atrium, and there are volunteers there with yellow name tags. They are ready to answer questions for you about Preston Hollow, to help you know more about becoming a member if you so desire, and to help you uh, know how to become involved. So please avail yourself of the opportunity to get more information and also to receive a, a small gift from the church just to say thank you for joining us in worship this morning. A couple of announcements that we'd like to call to your attention today. I um, am one of the, uh, those who enjoyed the trip with the choir, and we, uh, many of us are safely back from England and Scotland, and I have news for you. It's still hot in Dallas. Oh my gosh. Whew. We enjoyed uh, a break in the temperatures, right, those of us who were away. And so, uh, so I have good news for you. Even though it's hot in Dallas, we have good news. Next Sunday, we're having an ice cream competition. 6 o'clock in the evening at Founders Hall, following worship at 5. Everybody's invited to come. If you are a chef that has a great recipe to enter into the competition, bring it on. If you are not, but you know how to taste ice cream, come on. There'll be a spoon for you, and so that'll be a great opportunity for fellowship next Sunday. Senior adults, we want to make sure that you know that you will not want to miss a behind-the-scenes tour of the AT&T Stadium on Wednesday, August the 14th at 11 a.m. Malin Height uh, on our staff has made arrangements for a bus trip over there and to have a private tour. It's going to be a great experience. You can sign up this morning at the desk in the atrium. So know that that opportunity is before you and you can bring your friends as well. But reservations are a necessity. Friends, as we prepare to worship God this morning, I want you to think about the call log on your phone. Who do you call when you're making big decisions? Who do you call to chat about the little moments in life? Who calls you? Today we're reflecting on the holiness of friendship. We're delving into the sacred qualities of our relationships with friends. 
and giving thanks that we do not go through this life alone. With that in mind, let us worship a good and holy God. Please join me in the call to worship. In sleeping and in waking, God is present. In eating and in playing, God is present. In losing keys, reading a book, and sitting in traffic, God is present. As we gather for worship, God is present. Let us worship God.
confident in God's grace, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. God of relationship, you knit us into holy and sacred bonds with one another, and yet we often fall short in our relationships. We hold grudges and communicate poorly. We struggle to show our gratitude and forget to apologize. Remind us amidst the messiness of relationship, there is joy and deep love. In your grace, help us to forgive and accept forgiveness. Mend our brokenness and knit us ever closer together. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. may be seated, and as you are, I invite the children forward for our time together. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Are you doing well? Yeah, are you having a good summer? Is it hot enough for you? Yeah? Well, good. Well, I'm so glad to have you up here so that we can spend a little bit of time this morning together in worship. And I want to talk to you about friendship. Who here is a good friend? Who is a good friend? Okay, so you're a good friend. So what makes a good friend? What makes a good friend? What makes a good friend? Yeah, you in a blue shirt. Yeah. Okay, what, what makes a good friend? 
Hugs. Okay, hugs are good. Hugs are good. Yeah. What makes? Trying to solve your friend's problems. Excellent. Yeah. Play dates. Play dates are great. I miss play dates. Oh, you've got a play date today. Excellent. How about you? Disney World. Okay. Well, you can explore friendship. There's a lot of friends in Disney World, isn't, aren't there? Yes. So today, Pastor Sarah is going to talk about the importance of friendship in our lives. Because, you know, one of the things you said helping solve our friends' problems. I think one of the great things about friendship is something that we said earlier in worship this morning. We don't, we're not alone because we have other people in our lives who are friends. Now, do you always have to see someone for them to be your friend? Okay, I have mixed answers there. <laughs> Let me answer what I think. I don't think we always have to see the person in order for them to be our friend. You know, I'm a little bit older than you, and I have some friends that I made a long time ago that I don't see very often at all. But when we see each other after years and years and years, it's like we've been together all the time. And as you get older and you make friends that you keep, Maybe you have some friends now that you will remember a long, long time in the future. That is one of the blessings of friendship. And here's one other wonderful thing about friendship related to why we're here in church. Why, why are we here in church? Why are we here in church? To learn? Why else? Why are we here in church? <coughs> learn about God and care about God. Why are we here in church? To make friends. That's a, that is a part of it. And do you know, we have a great friend that we don't see, but we think about, who could that be? God, Jesus is our friend. One of the things that we say about friends is that we have a friend in Jesus. And we don't see Jesus, but Jesus is our friend. So today, as you think about all the friends that you have in your life, as you think about all the ways that you are a good friend with hugs, with play dates, with helping your friends with their problems, I also want you to think about the fact that Jesus is all of our friend as well. And even though we don't see him, Jesus is with us all the time in our hearts, in our minds, so that when we pray and when we are together in church, we can remember that Jesus is watching out for us, leading us, and guiding us, and loving us. And that is something that we can give thanks to God for today and every day. Will you join me in prayer this morning? And will you please repeat after me? And the congregation as well, let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus, your son, who is our friend, who loves us, who protects us, and who cares for us. We thank you for the friends in our lives who are all a gift from you. In Jesus' name we pray.
family of faith, as is our practice, before we hear scripture read, I want to invite you to pray with me. Let us pray. God, who calls us together on this ordinary Sunday, this ordinary, warm, sunny Sunday, we ask you to speak to us of extraordinary things. And these familiar words allow us to hear a new word of hope. Open our hearts to be amazed, perplexed, and convicted. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. This morning, we continue our sermon series, Sacred Ordinary Life, reminding ourselves of those parts of our daily living that seem mundane but are actually infused with the holiness of God's presence. Today we are going to explore a brief passage from the Psalms, and as Mark framed for us so well at the start of our service, we're going to reflect on how this piece of poetry might offer us something to think about in the context of community and friendship. And so I invite you to listen now for a word from the Lord from Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is. When kindred live together in unity, it is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has ordained his blessing, life forevermore. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of our lives, we give you thanks for the gift of this day. And as we listen this morning for the word that you have for us, silence within us any voice but your own. Speak to us and allow us to hear. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. This week I was re-reminded of one of the legacies of legendary University of North Carolina basketball coach Dean Smith. Instrumental to Dean's style of coaching was a habit that he developed among his players known as point to the passer. It meant that in every game, in every practice, in every trial run, a person who scored a basket was required to point to the teammate who had passed them the ball, acknowledging that teammate's contribution to the play. The practice of point to the passer became so effective in Smith's coaching that he took it a step further. If a player received a pass, but he missed the layup, he pointed to the passer. If a player received a great pass and made the basket but was fouled on the shot, he still acknowledged the teammate from whom he had received the ball. Smith's intense focus on teamwork has its roots far back in his coaching career. When he first started coaching basketball, Smith told the story of coaching a player from Air Force who shot the ball every time he got it. He never passed. And during a pickup game of practice, Smith became so frustrated 
with this player's sense of individualism that he pulled all the other players off the court. And he said, okay, play by yourself. Befuddled and yet still clearly missing the point, the player asked Smith, well, who's gonna take the ball in bounds, sir? Shaking his head in exasperation, Smith looked at the player and said, well, I guess that's progress. At least now you know it takes two people anyway. <laughs> Dean Smith knew that effective teams are not just a collection of talented individuals, but are a group of people who understand their interdependence and who act on the court as if their success depends on one another. As I thought about this story of Dean Smith, I couldn't help but wonder if it resembles something of the picture that God has in mind for this enterprise that we call the church. That we would publicly acknowledge our interdependence and act as if our success as human beings and as followers of Jesus Christ is highly dependent on one another. In our psalm today, we read how good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. Psalm 133 is a part of a category of psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. And so it was community literature that the Israelites would sing back and forth to one another as they made their way up to Jerusalem. Pilgrims from all over the world would come to Jerusalem, to the temple, to celebrate holy festivals together and to worship. And as they traveled, they would sing these psalms antiphonally or responsively back and forth along the way. Singing these psalms or prayers out loud with each other was a way of speaking life to each other, of showing up for one another, of recognizing their interdependence and their interdependence with God. So joyful was this experience of pilgrimage, united not by blood or by choice, but by covenant relationship with God, that the psalmist says, it is like precious oil on the head running down the beard, flowing down the beard of Aaron. This image of oil poured down the head and the beard of Aaron comes from Exodus 29, in which Aaron is anointed priest of Israel. In the social world of ancient Israel, oil was poured on top of someone's head as a sign of hospitality and blessing. The oil was often scented and it gave off a rich fragrance and aroma, signaling to anyone who was in no shot that an extravagant blessing was taking place. It was a joyful, cheerful act to pour oil on someone's head. And so God chose this act of pouring oil over the head of another person to be the act that God's prophets used to ordain priests and kings. Therefore, this image of oil being poured over the head of Aaron is one that the pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem would have been familiar with. And so the psalmist uses it to describe what Christian community feels like when God's people live together in unity. 
in that kind of joyful interdependence that Dean Smith practiced with his players. When we live and act as if our success as human beings and Christian followers is dependent on one another, the psalmist says it is like the blessing of abundant oil poured down over Aaron the priest. Part of what this also means is that the psalmist is saying that when we act out our interdependence, we become like priests to one another. The idea that our relationships are marked by sacred abundance and we mediate to one another something of the mysteries of God. We remember that we are set apart for service and that we represent something of the address of God to one another. And we live interdependently. The psalmist says our lives feel good and right and they are overflowing with a sense of God's abundant presence. If you are at all familiar with the 12-step community, the recovery community, you might know something of what I'm talking about. In a recent sermon on Psalm 133, a colleague of mine, Reverend Bob Henderson, reminded me of the work of scholar Andrew Delbanco. He teaches humanities at Columbia University in New York, and he's done a lot of research and writing on the AA community. During some of his research, Andrew attended a particular AA meeting in a church basement in which he listened to a young Caucasian man dressed in crisp business attire share his story with the group. And this young man presented himself as being absolutely faultless. All of his mistakes, all of his trip-ups were, of course, due to the injustice and betrayal of other people, how they had misunderstood him and disappointed him. And Del Banco writes, he was clearly trapped in his own need to justify himself. And things would only get worse until he recognized this about his life. And while this young man was talking, a middle-aged African-American man in dreadlocks and dark sunglasses leaned over to Del Banco and he said, it's okay. I used to feel that way about myself until I achieved low self-esteem. Del Banco chuckled to himself. And he reflected on how extraordinary that moment was. That this older man's comment was more than just a clever turn of phrase. That as this young man rattled on about his need to take control over his life and to buck up and believe in himself, another man came alongside and offered to walk beside him and with him just as he was, and exactly where he was, until he got to a better place. I wonder who has done that for you? Who in your life has seen past your carefully manicured and managed outer self to the reality of your life? and offered to walk with you 
as you slowly embraced the person that you could become. Has a school teacher or maybe a youth pastor seen past your silly or disruptive adolescent behavior, your self-consciousness, your feelings of unworthiness to the person that you could be? Or maybe a coach who has never let you settle for a lesser version of yourself by pushing you further than you thought you were capable of or by being impatient with your mediocrity? Or maybe a parent, a parent who would not give up on you or your potential, no matter how hard you work to get them to give up. Who has come alongside you and accompanied you on the journey? And perhaps more importantly, who is doing it now? Who is cheering you on? Who recognizes your God-given value and functions for you like a priest, mediating God's grace? Which is also to say, whose team are you on? For whom are you serving as an encourager and a friend and a guide? As God's people, we have the privilege to serve as a vessel of God's grace and God's mercy, to come alongside those with whom we do life together. And this is far more than religious cheerleading and sort of a Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positivity, or Joel Osteen's living your best life now. This kind of accompaniment is sacred spiritual practice. In fact, the leaders of the early church, particularly the Apostle Paul, will pick up on the psalmist's understanding of friendship and community and use it to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, who comes alongside us in our lives and encourages us and guides us and is present with us. And so when we do the same, we mediate something of the presence of God to other people. And so coming alongside another to comfort and to encourage, to strengthen, to be present, is sacred spiritual practice. I think so often one of the great temptations of religion is to think of the Christian faith really as an individual enterprise. To think that while we gather together for worship in a building with lots of other people, that Christianity is really something that we believe for ourselves that secures us salvation later. In other words, sort of a, if the church helps you with your personal relationship with God, great. If not, I know a terrific French place that serves until 11. But you and I both know the church is so much more than that. When I travel on an airplane, there's always a moment in which somebody learns that I'm a pastor. It's a deeply frightening moment. I'm led to usually interpret dreams or say long prayers. I really just wanted to read my book. But often somebody wants to tell me a long and very elaborate story about how they used to go to church, but now they just find God in the sunset. And if I'm honest, it takes a lot of my pastoral energy not to sigh deeply. 
and not because I don't see God in nature. I do. I consistently see the goodness of God in God's creation. The mountains and the sunsets of Colorado, the Texas Hill Country, those are holy and sacred and God-filled places in my life. And I know they are for so many of you as well. It has been wonderful throughout the summer to see so many of you post your pictures of your sacred ordinary life, including sunsets and mountains, places of holy significance to you. But I often want to sigh because finding God in the sunset is not the whole Christian story. It's not even an account of voluntary society of people who share the same ideas or values. Christian story is a story of community, of people gathered together in worship and service of the living God who are being the church with and for one another. When we act out our interdependence, when we share life with other people in meaningful ways, we are being the church. We are functioning like priests, mediating the presence of God with and for one another. And that goodness is like that oil that flows down the beard of Aaron. A professor of mine called this interdependent relationship holy friendship. That is the people outside of our immediate families and partnerships who accompany us on the journey. Greg Jones, who is the dean at Duke Divinity School, describes holy friends as those who challenge the sins we have come to love affirm the gifts we are afraid to claim, and help us to dream dreams we would not otherwise have. Those who challenge the sins we have come to love, affirm the gifts we are afraid to claim, and help us dream the dreams we would not otherwise dream. This week I was reminded of something of what that kind of friendship looks like. Jerry and Jane McManus are longtime participants in the life of this Christian community. Jerry is here this morning in his usual pew right here at the front. Jerry's wife Jane recently passed away after a long battle with Alzheimer's disease. We celebrated Jane's life and we gave glory to God and thanksgiving for her life here in the sanctuary. And do you know where Jerry was the day after the funeral? He was with friends. The day after his wife's passing, Jerry was at brunch with friends. Why? Because holy friendship reminds us who we are and whose we are and accompanies us, particularly in some of the hardest moments of our lives. Just like those Israelites who called back and forth to one another over dinner, on walks, dropping off soup when someone is sick or out of the hospital, that conversation over the phone about little everyday things, those are the moments in which we speak God's good news to one another and we become good news for the world. Duke Divinity School professor Kate Bowler has a wonderful interview on her podcast this week. I commend it to you with anesthesiologist and Surgeon General of the United States, Admiral Jerome Adams. She and Jerome talk about a variety of topics, one of which is how prayer and presence that offered authentically 
can be deeply healing, not only to the soul, but also to the body. One really interesting thing that Adams points out is that research tells us that cultures across the world that live the longest have a stronger sense of community. They are those people who gather together, who lift one another up. And he tells Kate something else really interesting. He tells her that if you have three friends outside of your immediate families and partnerships who you can call when you are down, or with whom you can share the good news of your life, that you actually have several more years of life expectancy compared with someone who doesn't have people that they can reach out to or connect with. As Mark said at the beginning of our service, who's in the call log of your phone? You, of course, know what the trouble with all of this is, don't you? Meaningful community and holy friendship takes time and intention. These days, I think our most valuable asset is time. As we grow older, time seems to go more and more quickly. And in our daily living, most of us feel like we never have enough of it. And I also think most of us, myself included, have very good intentions. And yet we know that it is so hard sometimes to find the time, to write the note, to pick up the phone, to prepare the meal, to make the visit. And we also know that you cannot microwave deep relationships. You cannot do meaningful friendship or community in a hurry because you can't listen in a hurry, because you cannot show up for someone else in a hurry and so holy friendship and community often means that I will have to give something up to make space for something else. I will have to sacrifice something that's a priority for me in order for me to make space for you. A friend of mine reminded me this week of a story that relationship researcher and therapist John Gottman tells about a moment that he has with his wife. He's lying in bed one night, and he's finishing a book, and he has about 10 pages left of this really exciting murder mystery. And he thinks, okay, I'm just going to get up super quick, I'm going to brush my teeth, and then I'm going to get all settled back in bed so I can really focus and finish my book. So that's what he does. He gets up, and he goes into the bathroom, and as he's walking down the hallway, he sees his wife in front of her dresser, and she's brushing her hair, and he notices that she looks really sad. And John says that his first thought is, just keep going, just keep going. How many of you have had a moment like that? That moment when you walk past someone and you think, oh, they really look like they could use someone to come alongside them. And then you think, avert your eyes, avert your eyes. Or you look at the caller ID on your cell phone for that friend or that person and you know they're going through a lot right now. And you think, I just don't have time. Gottman argues that small moments like these 
are crucial for building trust and meaningful relationships. He calls them sliding door moments. And he argues that when we don't walk past the door, that when we choose to show up and connect, we build trust. And we participate in the kind of meaningful community that the psalmist says creates rich and abundant life, like oil flowing down the beard of Aaron. And so it makes me want to ask again, whose team are you on? And who is on your team? Because we all need it. Just like Dean Smith taught his players, you cannot play by yourself. And because the church is not something we go to, it's not a building as important as that is. It's not a music style as important as that is. The church is not even a mission or a particular ministry project as essential as all of those are for the expression of our lives together. The church is something that we are. It is something that we do. We are, hard to believe, about halfway through the summer. Many of us are beginning to feel that downward slide into the fall. So I wonder if you might take the time that we have remaining in the summer to consider where and how you're showing up for somebody else and who's showing up for you. Beyond a member of the staff or a pastor, for whom will you be a priest? Mediating something of the presence of God. And who might you allow to do that for you? For in that moment, you will know that life is good and that it is right. And that holy friendship and interdependent community is like being covered up with the full blessing of God. All thanks be to God. Amen. Family of faith, having heard the word read and proclaimed, I invite you to rise in body or in spirit and join me in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sit on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.
friends, as we turn our attention to prayer this morning, I want to remind you that it is our tradition each week to offer the opportunity for you to sign care letters, which are just located just outside the north transept doors. These letters are provided for your signature as a way of uh, communicating to those in our community who are going through a challenging time or a time of celebration, these times of transition uh, when we can allow them to know that the friendships and the relationships of this congregation are much a part of their lives at such times. So please avail yourself of that opportunity this morning. A couple of celebrations and concerns that we'd like to mention for you this morning. Camp PVN, Presbyterian Villages North, was a great success this year. Uh, PHPC partnered with North Park Presbyterian to allow 17 students to uh, go and be at PVN to form relationships during the week and to uh, have a wonderful experience. And we pray that that is a rich blessing not only for those young people but for the residents of PVN as well. We had a large group of women uh, of all ages gather this past week uh, on Thursday evening for an evening of conversation and fellowship around the book Sabbath in the Suburbs. And another celebration, as I mentioned earlier, we are uh, pleased that the majority of our travelers uh, on the choir uh, tour trip have returned. There are a few folks who have extended their travels, and so we continue to pray for their safekeeping as they continue on their journeys. And we are grateful for the blessing and privilege of that opportunity. Friends, let us unite our hearts and minds as we continue in prayer this morning. God of the Sabbath, we give you thanks for all the ways you allow us to rest in your love. We give you thanks for longer days and lazy afternoons, for vacation and time with family, for meals around a table and road trips across your beautiful creation. We give you thanks for summertime and all the joy and wonder that this season brings. We thank you for your abundant blessings of friendship and the fragrance of good relationships. We know that you call us to deep relationship across generations, and so we celebrate the ways in which our community has come together, giving thanks for the new bonds formed at Camp PVN and at the Women's Fellowship Evening and through the choir's trip internationally. We give thanks for the ways that our youth have become closer through their own summer trips and their opportunities to connect. And yet, God of the Sabbath, even in this season of rest, many of us are struggling to find peace. And so we ask that you would surround those, those who are missing someone, those who are longing for something to change, those who are longing for rest, or who are feeling stuck in their lives. Surround those who are struggling in their relationships and seeking a new way forward. Help us all, Lord, to know that you're near, amidst the blessings and amidst the challenges alike. God of the Sabbath, send your hope and your comfort to all of those in need, and remind each and every one of us to rest in your love to rest in your grace, to rest in your mercy. And now let us lift our voices in prayer 
saying together the prayer Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, our daily lives consist of small rhythms, waking and sleeping, calling friends and sharing meals, speaking and listening. One of the rhythms of our lives is also giving and receiving both of which are holy. So today you are invited to practice giving. This month's every dollar offering, all single dollar bills, will benefit the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, which comes alongside communities who have experienced catastrophes and provides long-term sustainable help. So let us give to a good and gracious God.
us pray. Generous God, we have been blessed to receive your gifts, and we are blessed to return a portion to you. We give thanks for the holy rhythm of giving and receiving. Use these gifts to create new life and new opportunity that all may know your love and care. Amen. You may be seated. It's now my pleasure to welcome Laura and Taylor King and Jenna and Tyson Ross forward as they present their children for the sacrament of holy baptism. Uh, and children in the congregation, if you would like to come and sit on the pillows and be closer uh, this morning to see the baptism, you are welcome to come forward at this time. Family of faith, through the sacrament of baptism, God claims us and seals us as God's own forever. For we believe that Christ loves us first. It is God who first reaches out to us to claim us and to seal us as Christ's own. I invite you all to remember your own baptism, that is to say, to remember the claim, God's holy claim on your life. On behalf of the session, I present Wesley Chapman King and Lucy Kate Ross to be baptized. Laura and Taylor, Jenna and Tyson, do you desire your children to be baptized? Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that Christ Jesus is strongest of all for you. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ in all you say and do, do you? Do you promise to tell your child the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for them, to remember for yourself and your child that they belong first and always to the love of God, which we know through Jesus Christ our Lord, do you? And do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Wesley and Lucy with love and prayer, through teaching and service, encouraging them to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? We do. Please pray with me. This water is ordinary, O oh Lord, but this water, you make extraordinary promises to Wesley and to Lucy. In this water, you promise to claim them as your own. In this water, you promise to wrap them in your love. In this water, you seal each of them with a new identity, child of the covenant. O oh God, it's always been this way with you and water. You moved over the water at creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. Through the waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. Send your spirit again over this water, we pray. Surround Wesley and surround Lucy now with your grace 
and as they receive a visible sign of it, renew us all with the gifts of new beginnings and deep belonging. So with these young ones, we may go forth from here in joy as your beloved family. We pray in Christ's holy name. By what name shall this child be baptized? Lucy Kate, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. You are a child of God. God loves you, and we love you. Sir. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Wesley Chapman, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You are a child of the Son. God loves you and we love you. Your family is Wesley Chapman King and Lucy Kate Ross are now received into the Holy Catholic Church. Through baptism, God has made them members of the household of faith to share with us in the priesthood of Christ. Friends, it is time to welcome these new members of our family. I'm never giving him away. I'm just <laughs> never giving him away. As Christ's body, the church, we are called to nurture and to love these children and to help them grow as disciples. So I want to invite you to remain seated as we sing our song of introduction and as Sarah and I introduce you to these newest children of the family. Both families have been given a candle this morning, an opportunity for you to remember this day and for you to remember who you are and whose you are. May God bless you both as you reach to the future that God has planned for you. 
Friends, let us now stand and sing our closing hymn.